0: Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. Hey, thank you for being with us. We uh, love bringing these programs to you. I I get very excited when I know I've got an interview coming up, and I'm going to get a chance to talk to somebody uh, extraordinary who has uh, been doing things in their lives to make a difference both in their lives and the lives of the people around them. Uh, as well as through programs such as this, where we're looking for uh, choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., and a special edition of Tell Me Your Story, 9 a.m. Wednesday mornings on this fine station, as well as podcasting on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and other locations. You folks are reposting our interviews, too, and thank you for doing that. Keep doing it. We uh, I, You know, I'm the only one that's doing all of this uh, posting, so if you can expand uh, my reach uh, to our programs, thank you, thank you, thank you. We are also on YouTube, where you can watch these interviews. Go to the uh, tell, me, tell Me Your Story channel, or Richard Dugan, and uh, look for the guy with the hat, and uh, we will be there. You can watch us. We'll have great information, just like in the podcast, just like in the broadcasts. We also ask that if you can do so, we could uh, use your support financially. That's why I have a PayPal account. It's for your security as well as mine. I like what I like to refer to PayPal as as the middleman that helps to keep track of things and helps to keep me secure, but also helps to keep you secure. So that's the reason why we do that. And we also ask you to participate in this, the Decade of Perfect Vision, the 2020s, where we ask you to go within... And listen to that still small voice in that quiet, peaceful place that is within you and spend some time there getting to know the most important person, if you will, in your life, which is you. Our program today, I think you're going to enjoy. Uh, I have a funny feeling that our guest uh, titled his book just so he could hear us in the broadcast industry utter the phrase, Give a damn. But we can say that on the radio and on television, as well as in podcasts and videocasts. And my guest is Mark Lewis, author of Give a Damn. It is the ticket to cultural change. And uh, Mark, all the way down there in Louisiana, I think that's how you pronounce it now. Uh, welcome to the program.
1: Hey, Richard, thanks for having me, I look forward to, to being with
0: you. Well, this is going to be very interesting, and I think what I'm going to do is tie, uh, tie this in a little bit <clears throat> to uh, – I'd like to talk a little bit about the concept, and I'm sure you've heard of this, which I don't think is, is necessarily what your book and what the work that you're doing through this book is about, but I still wanted to bring it up just because of the title and the subtitle. You're familiar with the phrase cancel culture, Right
1: yes
0: yeah this has nothing to do with that this actually has to do with with uh, uh, the word that's coming to mind is promulgate I don't know why it's just there but it's mm-hmm. it's to foster culture to support culture to to uh, encourage a change it's not trying to undo or erase or hide or anything of that nature it's Trying to foster a sense when someone says to me, well, those people, they're taking away my culture. I say, well, I don't understand. How could they do that? If you if you let them do that, what are you doing to preserve your culture? You know, that kind of thing. Um, can you give me maybe just a, a quick uh, synopsis from your perspective on, on how you see that uh, going on, especially in this country?
1: Yeah, you make a really good points. Uh, when I think about culture, I really think about mindset. When we think about where we were 40 or 50 years ago, that mindset is completely different today than it was then. And that mindset has changed based on a number of factors. One, probably being at the top of the list, is technology. So instead of us being... Face to face, instead of we send text messages, and there's a lot of communication that is lost between technology what it was 50 years ago and technology what it was today. So the 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 way I see it is that our culture has changed to more of a self-centeredness versus a selfless Mm. type of culture, and there have been so many factors that have caused this. And we need to, what I think, and a lot of people don't do this, we need to look at other people's perspective instead of just focusing on our own perspective. And when we understand other people's perspective, we can communicate and get along better. And I think that's part of the problem for today's society.
0: Well, you know, I heard a story just uh, as I was coming in to uh, do this program <clears throat> that uh, the airlines have reported that as of our conversation here, Over 2,500 incidents of violence on airlines, 1,900 of them were due to the issue of wearing a mask. And this raises something I've brought up many, many times, talking about changing of mindset. I've heard this constantly over the last 16 months, 18 months, whatever. They're taking away my individual constitutional right by telling me that I have to do this and that and the other thing. I have to wear a mask and I have to stay six feet apart and I have to wash my hands and blah, blah, blah. And I have to get vaccinated and so forth. And, of course, I've made the reference to the lines in the Declaration of Independence that say promote the general welfare and secure the blessings of liberty of ourselves and our posterity. And asking those people who, and again, I'm not arguing with them. I'm asking them to consider how do you balance your individual rights with those two lines? And they think that their individual rights are being taken away. And I say, look, I have the same constitutional right as you do, but I'm not, it's not being taken away from me. Guess what? I'm exercising it by focusing right now, especially right now, on those two lines. Promoting the general welfare and securing the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Now, if that's a living document, if that's a sacred document to you, and I'm sorry, the Declaration of Independence is part of that document, even though it may not be law, it's still part of that document. And so it's still, to me, it holds just as much weight as the, the the official Constitution, the Articles and Amendments, the Bill of Rights and Amendments. Uh, so to me, that is part of my, and I've never really been the, the of that attitude of the individualist and, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so I haven't really had to change my perspective, although I have had to listen to and take in other people's perspective on this. Your thoughts?
1: Well, it's funny because what happened is everybody is now internalizing something and they don't realize what effect your actions may have on other people. Okay? So therefore, you're taking this away from me. But the the fallacy in that is it's not that I'm taking things away from you. I want you to be concerned about your effects and what it may have on other people. It's not about you. Mm -hmm. It's about other people. So, if you flip flop this and let's say that uh, someone didn't want to wear a mask and uh, would, would they wear a mask if they knew that they had COVID, but it was somebody real important to them, they wouldn't want to transmit their potential COVID, whatever, to the person that they love. But when we get outside our own internal domain, and there's a big, big situation when it causes, which causes selfishness. When we start thinking things about things that would affect us, we can internalize things, then we typically give a damn because we don't want that effect to have on our family or our friends. But once we get outside our own domain name, people that we don't know, Mm -hmm. we have a different perspective, and therefore we think our rights are being violated. That's the fallacy with today's individualism. It's not about you. It's about what effect you have on other people, whether it be getting sick or anything that might relate to something that might affect them in some way, in a negative way. That's the fallacy. We're not trying to take your personal rights. It's what you need to internalize to make sure you do what's right and to help other people. And I have all kinds of statistics. When you do that, when you think about other people and you give, guess what happens You live longer. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Because you're internalizing. There's less stress. There's All this thing kind of goes away. And so that's the fallacy with that individualistic. You're taking rights away. It's not about that. It's about your effect and what it may have on other people. And people forget that.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting, too. I also, uh, and I, I myself, just as a point of reference for you, our listeners have heard this hundreds of times that I've worked 15 years at a Christian radio station back in the 80s, early 90s, the heyday of televangelism. And um, uh, obviously I hear con- would hear constantly about how this country was founded on Ju- a Judeo-Christian ethic. Well, when you start talking about freedoms, but then you start mixing that in with the Christian doctrine or faith or, or, or the, the message, if you will, uh, I always interpreted it this way. Uh, it's God's way or the highway. Okay, you have a choice. Okay, it's God's way or the highway, which means you don't have any freedom. You either do it God's way or you're out on your ass. Okay. Well, that's it's like okay if you truly believe what you believe as a a, 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 a person of faith, you don't have any freedom. You 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 gave it up. When you chose to follow God, okay? Yeah. Now, that's an extreme perspective hey. that I'm taking, but that would be my takeaway at, at one level. At one level, we still have choices, and that's a part of what this program is about, giving people choices and knowledge of those choices. Uh, we were given brains by the good Lord uh, yeah. to process, to think logically, to imagine, to create OK, uh, and who knows, maybe all of those creative thoughts, for example, they're just they're coming in from the almighty, from the, the supreme being, whatever term you wish to use. Uh, so it all depends on your perspective. And that's really what you're talking about here, uh, because there are so many other perspectives when it comes to faith on this planet. Uh, when you when you uh, talk with people. And I know that the past 18 months have been a little difficult because we haven't been able to interact in the same way in a big room. Now, right now you're sitting in an empty room with nothing in it because you're in the midst of uh, a transition, a move. Uh, but I, I'm pretty sure that, that you used to, uh, uh, pre-2020, you used to speak in front of uh, large groups of people. Sure. And okay. each one of them had a different perspective when it came to, let's just say, their faith, their, the, who they who or what they believe in. Um, I have to <laughs> – this. what comes to mind right now is George Carlin and his little shtick on how he doesn't believe in God. He doesn't worship God. He worshiped the Son, okay, because he's prayed to God and nothing's happened. He doesn't pray to the Son, uh, but the Son gives him everything he needs to sustain his life. OK, and and, so, and, and that, that was one of the things. That, and there are people who are sun worshipers, S-U-N worshipers. OK, that's fine. Sure. But it just seems to me that that we were given this capacity, OK? Because uh, as far as I know, I didn't create myself, all right? Now, that's as far as I know. Who knows? I may find out somewhere down the road here. I may tap into something. This is, you know, Richard, you actually, you did. You did this, you know. Uh, The phrase, uh, we create our own reality, okay, Uh, is is becoming more and more true. And I think it's because of what you said earlier about how we're beginning to understand, and we need to understand, but I think we're beginning to understand, uh, those who are open to it, that I don't just create around me the things that I want uh, because I affect other people energetically biologically, physically, verbally, visually, etc etc, I'm creating my reality around me.
1: You know you bring up a couple of points uh, regarding religion and everybody has a different perspective about religion and there's not one that's right, not one that's wrong because that's the way people believe on it. But there are two things that came up in, in this is there was a study by Ohio State University. And they um, went and looked, based on the obituaries, they came up with a study. and The people that are more religious, who are more religious, actually live four years longer than those people who are not religious. Now, you ask that question, well, why? Well, I think there's a couple reasons. One is when you believe in God or a mentor or something, you have this sense of security, uh, which causes less stress in the body. And stress is the most detrimental effect to the human body than anything else in this world. The more stress you have, the more your body degrades and all that kind of thing. But you have this gift by uh, of religion that you have a God that you can relate to and that you feel comforted by that. There's a certain comfort level of doing that. But here's the thing, you know, when I do my speeches, I ask this question. I go and ask everybody in the audience, to go, why are you here? Why did God put you on this earth? And if you don't believe in God, why are you here? How did you get here? Oh, they say, well, I was born. I so I don't believe that. I think you're here for a purpose. And 99 out of 100 people can't answer that question. They don't know. Why am I here? Why did why God put me on this earth? So my answer to that, that question is this. God put me on this earth to serve others. And by serving others, I serve myself. But people get it reversed. They have to say, well, if I do this, then I should get and expect something in return. And that's the fallacy. Just by nature, you're going to get. The more you give, you're going to get in return. But people can't expect it. It will come. Don't expect it. And, you know, the miracles will happen. And it's a really
0: interesting concept because people can't answer that question. Yeah. It's
1: really bizarre that when I ask that question, they can't answer
0: It is. It is a very unusual uh, in that respect, and yet they have certainties on so many other things. They absolutely know that there is a God. They absolutely know that there is a heaven and hell. They absolutely know, etc., etc., etc. But when it comes to a question like that, which seems to me, um, in one sense, rather paramount, uh, we ask uh, some very pointed questions on this program that... <sighs> I'm not asking from the standpoint of, tell me the truth. Tell me th- th- uh, that this is fact. No. Um, there are certain things that are, uh, that are I almost want to say, um, beyond subjective. They're evolving. As a matter of fact, the, the, the word behind you, evolve. I believe that's the word behind you. Um, oh, yes. Uh, and then you, it, it, and I, if I'm not mistaken, that's uh, media AI.
1: Yes, yeah, so it's Dot uh, .ai. Top, yeah.
0: Well, <coughs> pardon me. <coughs> um, one of the things that is, is so <coughs> interesting to me is um, one of the phrases that was given to me as a 21-year-old who, just getting into this business, just learning how to do interviewing and so forth, uh, thinking that I knew so much, and I had only been on what I referred to as my search since I was 17 at that point, and someone said to me, Richard, it is better to begin in doubt and end in certainty than begin in certainty and end in doubt. And when I <laughs> I, I chuckle, but I'm, there's also a little bit of sadness in this, when I hear of certain individuals who have had these staunch positions for decades and they pass away, and I remember when uh, Jerry Falwell passed away, um, uh, the first thing that came to my mind that I actually said it, I says, well, at least now he knows the truth uh and the reality is we can know the truth right now if we just if we would do what I'm encouraging people to do and that is to go within and listen to that still small voice. Now when I say we will know the truth, as the Bible says and it'll set us free, uh, I'm not talking about the truth about uh, humanity or, uh, about uh, uh, global warming or uh, political uh, stuff or or any of that, I'm talking about. You'll know the truth about you. Talk to me about the personal relationship that we have with one another, with ourselves, with with self, small s, <laughs> um, and how important that is in this process. Of, uh, of, of fostering this concept you talk about in uh, give a Damn uh, about cultural change?
1: Well, when you think about that internally, um, and I always have to be constantly reminded because we do have this voice inside us. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I always ask my, myself this question. What is the right thing to do? And you're always going to get that answer. You may not like the answer, <laughs> to be honest with you, but you, you should follow that. But a lot of times we don't. And the reason why we don't is because we can justify in our mind to do the wrong thing in order to make it right. I mm. think about that. We justify it in our mind. Even though it's wrong, I can justify it as being right, and therefore it's okay. And that's the fallacy. And, um, you know, like, for instance, I make this analogy. Uh, for instance, uh, let's say um, you're in a very bad situation and uh, with, a, with a possible, I don't know, loved one or whatever, um, and you do something really horrible to that person. Uh, but you know it's the wrong thing to do, but it's a revenge thing. So you say, okay, well, they did this to me, and therefore I can do that to them, even though it's wrong. So you, you're justifying something that you in your mind know is wrong but you justify it as being right. That's where people need to start thinking. And a lot of times what we don't do is we react before we think. Mm -hmm. We need to step back, you know, and I always ask myself, what would Jesus do? Well that's an easy answer, right? (laughs) So, you know, but it's very difficult because we sin all the time, right? And so we gotta, instead of just reacting and not thinking, we gotta Think before, react, and do the right thing. That's such a critical thing in today's society. It's like this, uh, Richard. All these people, you know, when we had the uh, people were uh, upset about the racism and they were destroying property, right? They were just going around. So my question to you would be that let's say uh, you're all mad And you go to this property, and it's your father's store. Are you going to go and destroy that? Absolutely not, because you don't want your father to be affected. Because you know you internalize something to affect you. But if it's somebody else, that's okay. They they can get over it. Like, oh, they're rich. They got all this money. So therefore, they can handle it. That's the wrong way to do things. Mm -hmm. It's so hard because people get involved in this what they call herd mentality, and therefore, they go with the herd.
0: You know, it's it's interesting uh, when you put that out there because uh, the first question that comes up, and this isn't just in those situations that you've just described, where they're upset and they go out and they destroy property, but it's also on radio and television in particular, but also in print, on the internet too, where people are just derailing. Now, I saw this in the 80s and 90s on televangelist television and radio, and I was you know, sort of perpetuating that by working there, but, you know, I wasn't creating the content. And I would listen to them just go off the rails on a particular subject. And some of them were focused on that same subject for years. And, of course, as time went on, I said to myself, and sort of said to the speaker or the uh, TV screen, uh, Me dost think thou protesteth too much. And I interpreted that, I interpret that as, you better be careful because what you are going on and on and on and on about, you're going to get caught in yourself. The net you are casting is going to catch you. And that's what happened. But the other phrase that has come up more uh, in the last few years, especially hearing all of the stuff. Now, when I was working for a station in the early 2000s during the uh, George Junior George Bush Junior administration, the two de- two terms, uh, I was working for Air America Phoenix, and of course, very uh, progressive. Uh, you know, uh, and uh, their their cause was basically to get him out of office, and this and that, and the other thing. You know, similar to what went on in the last these last four years uh, under the old uh, uh, presidency and administration. I couldn't get on that bandwagon. I had no problem producing whatever they wanted to produce, doing the programming, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I loved doing that. But getting on that wagon, I just couldn't do. So now, uh, over the last five or six years, as I've been hearing all of the stuff going on and people complaining and complaining and complaining about the problems, I think about the problems they're complaining about. I hear the words they're saying – and the only thing that I can think of to respond with is, how is what you're doing helping? How is it solving the problem that you are talking about, that you're moaning and groaning and complaining about? And it's the same thing with people who go out and destroy. You're upset about, and we'll just use the term racism, or we'll yeah. um, marginalization, okay? To, to use a really broad brush stroke, marginalization of whatever category you want, how is destroying property, yours or anybody else's, how is that helping? Is that solving the problem? Tell me how that solves the problem or even contributes to a solution.
1: You're you're, you're really right about that. And what people need to ask is this question. i learned this probably over the last four years. What is the upside to what I'm going to do What's the upside? If there's no upside, what's the point in doing it? Mm-hmm. If and, and therefore, what's the upside of going and destroying property? Well, there's no upside to that. It only makes things worse. So what can I – this society today dwells on the problem so much and they don't look for finding solutions. They've got to get that past that stage. Mm-hmm. And so they have to give a damn about what – do we need to do to solve the problem? Yeah. What's the upside? Yeah. That's a, If anybody listening to this program today could just ask themselves this question, what's the upside to what I'm doing? And if there's none, don't do
0: it. Mark Lewis is my guest. We're talking about give a damn the ticket to cultural change we're kind of talking about a lot of different things here and you know mark uh, i encourage people of course to go to your website as well as give where they can get a copy of the book but you also have a, an additional website as well for your business we're going to talk about that in just a moment as well i i i, I actually have a solution to every problem that every person has ...with whatever it is they're having a problem with, okay? Now, I'm going to say up front that you and nobody listening is going to like my solution, okay? That isn't the point. My solution is not a solution that we want to... I don't even like my solution. But the difference between me and other people is I'm offering a solution. And just just basically, I'm just going to cut right to the chase. All right, we have the technology available on this planet... My solution is we have the technology, okay? We blow up the earth, okay? We blow up the earth. We've got the technology. We can do it. And now nobody has any more problems. Do you like that solution? Do I? Of course not. Of course not. That's not evolution. That's not evolving. That's not raising the consciousness of the planet and and, and making things better for everyone. It's solving all of our problems. But that's no solution. So, but but again, my point is, hey, look, I offered one. What's yours? What's your yep. solution? Yep. Uh, so that's kind of where I'm coming from from that standpoint.
1: So I do have a solution. Yes, sir. But it's going to take many, many years. And the solution is here. It's in our mind. Mm-hmm. And our mind is, what are we going to do to be able to make society better for everybody. Thank you. It's not about you. It's about what I can do for others. And the more we think along those lines, we don't have to have one person win 100% and the other person gets zero. And that's the problem with government. It's me, heads out of wind, tails you lose. That's government. That's politics. And that's wrong. And nothing typically gets done. It's That's the ego-centered, driven economy that we have that comes from government. Democrats and Republicans. Look, I do a speech, Richard. I go out and say, tell me, are you Democrat or Republican? And nobody wants to tell me. You know why? Because as soon as you say who you are, you're going to be put in a box. Mm -hmm. And you can't think outside that box. And that's the problem today. It's going to take a mindset change from the older generation, but it starts with our kids. We need to teach them about morals, respect, responsibilities, please, thank you, excuse me. They're not getting it. It's become self-driven and our kids are our future. How do we get them to change?
0: Yeah.
1: It's a, you know, I'm not going to be around long enough to be able to see it, but I'm working on it. It's the give a damn philosophy to take to cultural change. It makes life so much better for everybody.
0: And that's your legacy. That's the legacy, uh, the perpetuation. You're going to replicate to others, this this concept, this mindset, and and uh, so am I through this program. Tell me your story. New paradigms for a new world. We're talking with Mark Lewis, and we're talking about uh, giving a damn. And uh, please uh, get, get a copy of his book. I think you'll be very very fascinated by it. And you know the other the other aspect of it too is I love what Will Rogers once said. He said, uh, "I will I would never join a political party because I would never join an organization that would have me as a member." Something <laughs> words words to that effect. Uh, yeah, sure. You know, sure. and I kind of I kind of I don't necessarily feel that same way, although I do remember <laughs> an incident where I was actually talking with a, a politician here in Santa Barbara. It was shortly after I had moved here back in 2006, and I was producing one of the programs and the gentleman came in and we were chatting a little bit. And I said, yeah, I, I will. I will never run for public office. Now, I didn't know he was a politician at the time. I will never run for public office because I have too much integrity. You know, and it's like, uh, oh, and then I found out, oh, oh, man. He, he and I were good friends. We are, we are not politically on the spectrum, uh, on the same place on the spectrum, but we have very good, uh, uh, very good conversations. And I say good, not heated. They're really good, uh, constructive conversations, uh, because I understand where he's coming from, but the thing that bothers me about these divides, whether they're political, religious, economic, no matter what categories you want to throw out there, uh, is that that it's almost as if if I could just get rid of the other side the world would just be perfect. And the other side feels the same way or at least that's the perception that if just you know whichever side you're on if the other side would just go away or if they would just do what we want them to do, and and then there's that other aspect of it too, especially talking about politics, uh, Mark. And I don't know how you feel about this, but I was chatting with another uh, individual, and I consider myself—I don't even like to call myself an independent, even though that's probably the best term to say. I don't—I don't adhere. Now, some people say, "Well, now nah, you sound awful progressive." I said, "Well, maybe so on some issues. Give me an issue, we'll talk about it, and you can make your own mind up." But that's where I stand. Uh, I said to him, <clears throat> uh, first of all, because he's always he was always railing against the other side. Yeah. I says, I says, uh, uh, first of all, um, don't you think you owe the other side a debt of gratitude? You you should be thanking them, because if it wasn't for them, you'd have nothing to talk about on your program. All right, that's number one, and number two, you say that they are the problem. Okay, but I say that it's not they they are not the ones responsible for making the choices and changes and passing the laws and so forth this is on you because you didn't get your people out in the sufficient numbers to elect your people to sit in those chairs and make those decisions it's not their fault it's yours and again whichever side you're on and the pendulum keeps swinging back and forth and that's just the way it is
1: you know you made a really good perceptual point that a lot of people missed, I think, in this conversation. When you had your conversation with your political guy and you were on two different opposites ends of the spectrum, you still could have a conversation. Mm-hmm. You might not have agreed, in, but agreed to something, but you probably could have come to some agreement where you won a little bit and he won a little bit. And there was a middle road. We don't see that in today's government. And that's the issue. People miss. You made a great point that people didn't get. We had a good conversation. We didn't necessarily agree on everything, but we got to the point where we could have a conversation. Yeah. And that's the critical point that you don't see in government at all today. And I want to make sure that people got that message. Even though you were on different opposite ends of the spectrum, you still were able to talk, have a good conversation, and get you could have gotten something done. Yeah. You You know what? It's all based on respect for the individual and their viewpoints and understanding their perspective. Again, their perspective versus your perspective instead of shutting that right in half. People do that all the time. Oh, you can't possibly be right. It's not the way it works.
0: The book is entitled Give a Damn. Mark Lewis is my guest. We're talking about uh, cultural change, uh, the ticket to cultural change. And, and And you know it's it 's fascinating to me to to have these conversations, uh, even though you and i we probably agree more than disagree on on any given per- perspective. The whole point is that we 're having this conversation, and then that 's one of the reasons I love doing these programs is for the conversation uh, but the fairness doctrine for example i 'm sure you 're probably familiar with what that was right. And Ronald Reagan, back in the 80s, early 80s, he deregulated the Federal Communications Commission to the extent that he eliminated uh, several of the licenses, one of which I was applying for and wanted so badly I wanted that thing up on the wall, that certificate. And all I have is this little postcard now. But he also eliminated the Fairness Doctrine. Now, a lot of people don't know what the Fairness Doctrine is. And basically, to sum it up, it's if you are going to talk about a subject, okay, then you have to be willing to have uh, you you must uh, uh, have opposing views. You must talk about it from as many of the different perspectives as there might be, if you're able to do so. It's kind of like uh, in po- uh, political uh, uh, ads and things of this nature. You have to, if you if you interview, for example, a politician, and this is still part of the law, then you have to at least offer to all of the other candidates for that office. An opportunity to be on the program. Now, 99.9% of the time, they, they decline because right. it's not their echo chamber. Uh, but the Fairness Doctrine is just that, carrying both sides of an argument. And I have believed in that from the very beginning. And it was eliminated. Well, I was having a conversation with, with – I, I, I don't think he would refer to himself as a conservative per se. Uh, he, very open-minded young man, 23 years old, reads, I asked him, uh, be, uh because he is a very conservative individual, I said, have you ever read a book by someone you disliked or whose views were totally opposite yours you disagreed with? He said, oh yeah. He told me he read, he, he says he read Mein Kampf, he read the, uh, uh, the Marxist Manifesto, uh, he read, um, I mean, he's read a, a lot of these Uh, um, very totalitarian types of authors and their books down through the last century or so, right? Which I was really impressed with. I I said, I applaud you for your – and he says, I've even read Mein Kampf twice. Now, that's not to say that he, he agrees with it, but he sees things in there that I don't want anything to do with that. And I'm just reminding myself that I don't want anything to do with that kind of thing. So I asked him point blank. I said, so you familiar with the Fairness Doctrine? He was not. I explained it. I said, would you be willing, based upon our current uh, era of polarity, era being going back to the eighties, into the 90s and so forth to the present. Do you think that maybe that should be uh, uh, put back in to law that uh, broadcasters and so forth couldn't do much about the Internet, but at least uh, uh, FCC regulated uh, should be put back in? I was shocked. He said yes. Now, I asked a libertarian about that. They said, oh, no, I don't want the government telling me what I can and cannot talk about. And it was like, well, that's not the point. <laughs> and, and, and the person missed the point. And, and that's part of what this program is about. I've had atheists on this program. I've had uh, uh, Jews. I've had Scientologists. I've had uh, – uh, folks uh, from uh, what I would call the lineage of uh, Sri Yukteswar Paramahansa Yogananda. Uh, Paramahansa's book is my my metaphysical primer that I read when I was 16, 17 years old. I've read it hundreds of times since. Uh, I've had a, a, a wide and diverse group of people on this program. And I had one gentleman who, after sharing my perspective, he says, well, that's interesting, but... You know, let me let me share you my perspective on that. And he shared it and I listened and I responded. Well, there goes another one of my grass huts up in flames. And I will tell you, I am willing to burn them all. Because, again, it's better to begin in doubt and end in certainty than to begin in certainty and end in doubt.
1: Very good points. And and again, it's all about perspective thinking, understanding what the other side is discussing and having that perspective but not being defensive and saying, yeah. well, your perspective is totally absurd. Why would anybody think that way? And that's where you shut down the selfishness. That's where the selfishness comes in. We can't open our minds up. We need to open up There's probably something in some religion or uh, another perspective that you probably do agree with, but it's not a 100% shut down, yeah. Right. It's like, my, I know my wife was, uh, when I do a little presentation to talk about all these different religions, you know, Christianity, Buddhism, all this stuff. And I go, well, you know, some of these religions, they don't teach kindness. My wife says, yeah, they all teach kindness. All of them do. I said, well, why do they do all these bad things? And, and it's just a different perspective. They look at things differently than we do. Yeah. And, and they do teach. But we got to open ourselves up. Yeah. We, that's the biggest problem with today's society. We shut our minds down to other people's perspective thinking. And we, therefore, it's wrong. If we don't believe it, it's totally wrong. And that's just not the mindset that we need to have today. And guess what happens? Yeah. We turn it down. There's an argument. Everybody gets bent out of shape these things blow it up, and next thing you know, there's killings and all of the, you know, all these things that go on because they can't
0: understand. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's the reason why we have events like the insurrection. Uh, that's what it's going to be called now. You've got uh, Pearl Harbor Day. You've got the assassination of Kennedy and Martin Luther King. You've got the resignation of Richard Nixon. You've got the shooting of, uh, of Reagan and Ford and and uh uh the beginning of gulf war number 1 in the early 90s with george Ju- george senior uh and and all of these mile markers 911 the yeah. great recession of uh 2008 uh you've got uh, all the, and now you've got the insurrection of 2021 yeah. and i i I, f- I find that it's one thing to have a perspective but it's another thing when you are faced with the the actual facts about something. Now, that doesn't mean you still can't have your perspective.
1: Right.
0: But how can one ignore the facts? Uh, I remember a story I read about this new form of math. It was called whole math. Now, you and I would sit there and we would say, okay, Mark, what is 2 plus 2? What's 2 plus 2, Mark?
1: 4.
0: Okay. But in whole math, so Mark, what is 2 plus 2? 4. Let me check with the rest of the class and see if they agree with you. We're going to decide what 2 plus 2 is. That was whole math. We were going to decide, and and my first thought was, yeah, we would have never even gotten off the ground to go to the moon with uh, whole math. Never would have happened. Now, why they call it whole math, I do not know. But um, that happens to be one of the, the the aspects of perspective versus fact. You know, um, I was taking some black and white pictures <clears throat> back in 79, 80, when I was taking a photography class in college uh, of an accident in an intersection. And I was trying to move around as carefully as possible, getting different pictures. I was just doing it for me. And it reminded me of that that old saying about uh you can uh, have uh, 10 different people watching a car accident you're going to get 10 different answers or perspectives which is why I was taking the pictures but when you take a look for example let's just I'm going to cuz I brought up the insurrection you take a look at the video and somebody made the comment look these were, if I was looking at that uh, event, I would say it was just a bunch of tourists. Look at how they walked nice and calmly along the stanchions and, 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 and uh, dividers, uh, looking at all the statues inside. Yeah, but that's only a very tiny part of the video. When have I ever seen a tourist going and breaking out the windows from the outside, crashing through doors, uh, shooting Uh, And on and on and on. Is that still a group of tourists? I mean, to me, there is no other perspective other than that was a violent event, just to put it simply. And and you don't have to speak specifically about that, but using that as the example of perspective versus fact.
1: Oh, I agree with you 100%. Facts are easily justifiable, right? Perspective thinking or opinions... Are the opinions, but if you bring up a really good point on this, and it, it, is, it relates to somewhat that's in the book. Today, people, I always ask this question: what's what's common about common sense? It's that it's very uncommon today, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Common sense today is very uncommon, meaning something as simple as what you just described, people can blow it out of proportion. But it's easy to say, well this is what it really this is what the video says. I and mean, it's easy. Common sense tells you this. When people try to get outside of that, that that's when they start justifying in their mind that something else is really happening when it's really not. And that's the problem with today's society. Yeah. The justification in our mind it, that something is right when it's wrong is a huge problem.
0: There would be those who would take the perspective. And again, I'm, uh, you know, I do not mean any disrespect to anybody. Hitler was nothing more than Ebenezer Scrooge, quoting the line from uh, the Charles Dickens uh, uh, book. Uh, it is better to uh, reduce the surplus population, etc., etc., et et cetera. Et cetera, et cetera that's all that was we were just reducing the surplus population not a big deal that's what genocide is it's just reducing the surplus population it's just a matter of perspective and and like you just said it's like wow we we will justify any action by minimizing it uh, right. in that respect and how can how can one change now, it has been said in uh, in military conflicts over the centuries, it is always the victor that writes the history. But that doesn't mean that there hasn't been a history written by the other side, by the losers. It's just that maybe it hasn't been found. And now we're starting to uncover. I read an article just the other day regarding Christianity and that there was a massive propaganda war, as we would call it today, going on in the uh, second and third centuries. Well, we know who won the war, okay? but that was what was going on. There was a fight for the minds, if you will, the hearts and the souls of the people by those who disagreed with uh, uh, the, the uh, church's stance. And, and then, of course, there was the church that just, you know, pounded. And they, of course, they won. Talk to us about uh, that, that aspect of, of uh, uh, giving a damn and uh, the, ticket, the, uh, the ticket to cultural change.
1: Well, you know, you bring a point on here, and I, I make this point when it comes to um, trying to force your beliefs on somebody, uh, when you try to force your beliefs, let's say someone, uh, here's an example. Uh, it's in my book. There is a small town in Louisiana, Slidell, and at the top of the book, at the top of the court system, there's it says a, a plaque. that says, In God We Trust. And that's been up there for 30 years. And all of a sudden, someone looks up there and says, That's offending me well it's been up there for 30 years it's not designed to offend you and now people are taking things personally is that like it's against them and by doing so they get offended and then you get all these people saying yeah that's the right thing to do we got to take it down and there was so much pressure to take that down that the ACLU got involved and it's an in God we trust and what happened was Richard eventually they took it down now my point on this is that if you don't like it, you don't have to look at it. And God we trust, it's not there to offend you. You shouldn't take it personally. Yeah. But if I were to take a Bible and just try to shove it in your face, that's offensive. Yeah. And I wouldn't do that. And that's the problem with people looking at all these statues. You know, they're all taking all these Confederate statues down. and mm-hmm. not saying it's the wrong or right thing to do. But now for 40 years, they're okay. And now all of a sudden it becomes offensive. Yeah. We've we got to take them away.
0: Yeah, so I I look ask, at it. yeah, I asked the you know, question, what changed? Yeah, yeah, what why, changed now? why now? Now? Well, now we're bending people's desires. Well,
1: that doesn't do my heritage and this. Well, history was much different 100 years ago than mm-hmm. it is today, and it was acceptable back then. It's not acceptable now, but we can't change the course of history. It's there what it is. And so there's so much going on that people are internalizing and saying, oh, that affects me, and therefore I have the right. I don't have the right to look at it. That's a
0: problem today. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting too is uh, th- what they are not recognizing is uh, that we are where we are today because of all of the elements of history. All of them. Every single second of time that has ticked by since man has been on the planet is the reason why we are where we are right now, and to deny that. Now, do I agree with the, with the messages these symbols uh, uh, evoke? No, of course not. Many of them I don't. Uh, I remember uh, when I was uh, uh, going to the Byzantine Catholic Church in Phoenix with my first wife. Uh, the Monsignor would go to the houses, I think it was every spring, and he would do a house blessing. He'd come inside and everything, and and of course, back then, I was still working for the religious station, and um, this one question just really bugged the daylights out of me. So I asked him, you know, you see crucifixes, not just a cross, but a crucifix with the image of, of uh, Jesus on them, right. and he's always wearing a loincloth. But according to historical record, the final indignity of those being crucified was they were stripped naked for all to see. And so uh, after the Monsignor blessed our trailer, which is where we were living at the time, uh, I asked him, I says, why is it that, uh, you know, and I shared with, with him my findings. I says, why is it that we don't have actual uh, depictions of Jesus up on the cross? I mean, he was naked. Why, why is he wearing a loincloth? I was, I was um, dumbfounded, but I was uh, elated by his honest answer. He says, well, we don't want to upset the sensibilities of the people. But yet, the first thing that came flooding into my brain was the passage, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And we're so ashamed of certain parts of our anatomy that are God-given. And it's not like we're putting them out there as pornography.
1: Right.
0: You know, it's not lurid. Right. And so on and so forth, and but I was I was I was actually quite pleased with his answer, at least it was honest, coming right. from a monsignor within uh, the church yep. and And that to me that went a long way for me. That really did. And so even if even if <clears throat> the answer isn't really uh, that palatable, And that's the thing I don't care for about the institutions that tell us, no, we we don't want to tell the people because we don't think they can handle it. Like if there was an asteroid headed for Earth, I want to know. I don't know if you ever saw the movie uh, with Stephen Carell um, uh, looking for a friend for the the end of the world. No, I haven't seen that. Oh, my God. Great movie. There is an asteroid headed for Earth. There is nothing anyone can do. Bruce Willis and his team are on vacation, not able to be reached. (laughs) You know, those other movies where they go out there and they destroy the thing. And uh, spoiler alert, ladies and gentlemen, the movie ends with the end of the world. But it's the dynamics that take place during that film about his focus on relationship especially with his father he goes to his father they spend that day together uh... and his father keeps wanting to bring up well i know i wasn't the, but dad i don't want to talk about oh, that's not important anymore all of the dysfunction he just wanted to connect with his father in these final hours of existence he just wanted to similar to what my uh... my father's brother did before he died of cancer he went over to his son's house in his wheelchair, and they had uh, several hours, I guess, of father son closure before his passing. You know that to me, that's that's where the real cultural change comes, and this is what you are you are really really talking about.
1: Yeah, you, you know, you make a really good point about if what would happen, what if the earth, earth were to end tomorrow or in a week. What would you do differently? How would you react? Um, Your whole perspective thinking uh, would probably change tremendously. Yeah. Um, You know, here's the problem that I see. When anybody has ever afforded a situation that's very traumatic, like a hurricane or tornado or a major fire, whatever it may be, you know how many people come out and want to help that person or people to recover? They give themselves, they're serving them. They want to do whatever they can to help. And when the hurricane passes, we kind of go back to our normal way of life. Why can't we do that all the time? Why can't we be have the ability to help others, to make their lives better at all times and not through a major disaster or a major event that might happen in our lives if we were to do that all the time then life would be a whole lot better for a lot of people yeah. it shouldn't take a major disaster or an asteroid hitting the earth <laughs> to be able to go ahead and do what we need to outreach to others and make their lives better
0: yeah, and that's the point of this program is to uh, uh, basically look for new paradigms for a new world, as I said before, giving people choices and knowledge of those choices to help make their dreams come true. And we want this for everybody. And I honestly do believe it is possible. It's you, you know, know. and I'm, I'm some would say, well, yeah, but Richard, you're talking about a utopia. Yeah. No, I'm not. Because we will always, because of the the universe that we live in, the material world that we live in, we will always have challenges. Okay, yeah. even if they're just, even if we all just got along, and everything was rosy dynamically between the members of the species, we would still be dealing with natural issues from Mother Earth, right? You bet, you know, and yeah. I with
1: the fact that you use the word challenge and not problem. Exactly. Challenge is something that we can overcome, problems we don't address, challenges, we do what we need to do to fix those challenges and make it better. So I like that word.
0: Yeah. We're talking with Mark Lewis. He is the author of Give a Damn. I keep, wanna, I keep wanting to throw in giving a damn, but it's <laughs> give a damn so that we can uh, do just that. It is the ticket to cultural change, and it is give a damn book.com give a damn bookcom we can say that on the radio I don't uh, and and if you if you do take offense I apologize I am sorry that you do uh, I would ask you to consider uh, adjusting just adjusting not change but adjust your perspective just a little bit Let
1: me make a point about that because some people do get offended by the word give a damn or the word damn right and so you know I was addressing with that and so My mom passed away about eight years ago, 10 years ago. And I asked my mom, do you think people would be offended by the word damn? Or even ask God, God, give me the answer to this. What am I doing? What am I supposed to do? I don't want to offend anybody. And here's the answer I got. The word damn can be used in a negative way and a positive way. Mm -hmm. I'm using it in a positive way for people to make a change, to get their attention that they need to make a change for the better, to serve others like God served us, like Jesus served us. And my mom gave me the same answer. You're doing it to help others. It's not used in vain. Giving Because you know, some kids could get upset about it. And, and parents may say, well, Callie, you're teaching kids wrong. I said, no, I'm trying to make a point. God gave me the word damn to be able to use it in a positive way. I'm not doing it in vain. And I need to get people's attention. And this is the way to do it.
0: Yeah, Give, a, it's the answer yeah, I got. Yeah. give a darn, give a doorknob, just doesn't have the same oomph, you know? <laughs> Oh, but that brings up a point because
1: when you get with kids, my, my, I have three follow on books I want to write. One K through four, fifth through eighth, wow. and ninth through twelfth. So you graduate, and those books are going to be called "Give a Darn" oh. because I want the kids to understand what it means to give a darn by respect, morals, opening the door for people. How many times have you ever see a man open a door for a lady? To open or get in the car, you rarely see that anymore. And when I see it, you know, it's usually the older generation that's doing it. But those kind of respect and those kind of things are what I'm trying to portray kids at a very young age. Teach them really young. Yeah. And then they'll get it and they'll, you know, have a better life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, my, uh, my wife's sister, before her passing, she used to say to me, your mother raised you right. Now, I am at the end of the baby boomer era, born in 1960. Uh, and um, uh, that's what I, I would do, even for my first wife, as well as for my present wife. I open the car door. I open the other doors for her. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just, for me, that's just a normal course of things. It isn't even... Uh, it isn't just about the fact that she is my wife or I and I hate to use the I don't want to use the word my in the possessive sense. OK, because we're partners, you know, we're, we're, we're a team, you know, and, uh, uh, and so from that standpoint, she is my teammate, if you will. Equal, co-equal and so forth. Uh, but just common courtesy, not just chivalry. You know that kind of thing, but it was nice to hear her say that. That oh, your mother raised you right. Mark Lewis is my guest. We're talking about uh, give a damn, and uh, giveadambook.com dot com is the website. I also love some of the other uh, twists on a phrase as well. Um, oh, shut the front door! I love that one. You know, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard that one before, but it's uh, it, it it also has that same. Are you kidding me, sir? As opposed to profanity per se, that we we can't use on the radio. Right. We can use it on the internet, uh, but I still like to keep these programs uh, fairly um, um, clean. I don't like to use the blue the blue ink pen. Okay,
1: <laughs>
0: I like to, I like to keep them clean, as it were. But uh, again, I don't I don't hold that against anyone if that pops up in the sure. program. This is, to me, a conversation as as far as uh, whatever circle you are in. It seems to me critical in our day and age that we need to start looking from different perspectives. And I will give you this analogy and have you uh, elaborate as we uh, uh, come to the, the close of our program here. There is an event... They taking place, and there is a circle around it, and we are to move uh, around this circle onto as many points as possible to get as many different views, I'm going to use that here, as is possible to get the greatest understanding of what is happening in that event, and you can put whatever event you want in there, natural disaster or otherwise. And that is really what the goal of this program is about.
1: You know, you're doing a really great job because you're bringing out, uh, uh, I think, people's mindset to do a deeper dive into what people are doing and how they're thinking and how they're acting towards other people. And, and you're, you're really the person that's giving a damn to get them to think about more about pr- perspective thinking what it means to be in the other person's shoes in a way. And it's not right. It's not wrong, but it's a way for us to communicate on kind of, kind of all get on the same page and have a conversation that doesn't blow up into anger or violence, having a conversation that can improve the lives of other people. And that's what the world's all about. What, can we do to make life better for other people? Mm -hmm. Again, why are you here? That's why I'm here. Because if I improve your life, guess what? You feel better about it. I feel good about it. Because when I do something good for other people, I feel good. If they have a smile on their face that I've done something different and I've done something very valuable for those people going forward in life. And that's what life needs to be for everybody. And when you do that... The stress level goes down. You feel better. You're doing more things for other people. It's just a better life. I, I, I don't know. I can't understand why people don't get it. That's. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could drive that home one person at a time.
0: I've, I've learned over the last 10 or 15 years um, a very valuable lesson about that. I've watched a number of different movies, uh, one in particular, which you may or may not have seen, Batman versus Superman.
1: Yeah, I've seen
0: that. All right. And you know the last 15 minutes of the program, right? Of the movie? All right. What are they doing? They're dialoguing. They're conversing. Yep. They are beginning to talk to one another, really listening to one another, and then understanding that at the beginning of the movie, where the conflict started, was started over what else? A misunderstanding. Now, I get it from the Hollywood perspective that if they had done that at the beginning of the movie, it would have only been 20 minutes long and a very boring show in and of itself. But that's where we are today. We're not – we we have these disagreements and then we have the conflict. Then we sit down and we talk – Oh, I see. I I completely misunderstood what you said, and I should have had a follow up question to what you said because I took it this way, and you meant it that way. Right. Oh God, it's like oh my God, such wasted time. And and I will quote, I will quote one of my uh, um, boyhood idols, singers Keith Partridge or David Cassidy. Yeah. Do you know what his last four words were before his passing? So, so much wasted time.
1: Oh, true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So much wasted time.
0: So sad. So sad. Let's not waste any more time, ladies and gentlemen. Let us continue moving forward. Let's give a damn and work towards uh, using that ticket uh for uh, cultural change. Starts with us, as Gandhi says, be the change you want to be. And uh that's the way that uh that's the way that opens up. Mark Lewis is my guest here on the program. His book, Give a Damn, giveadambook.com. We will be linked to his website as well. It's the ticket to cultural change, and we hope that you will pick up a copy. At least go to his uh, website and and check out the work he's doing. You have EvolveMedia.ia. Let's talk just briefly about that, if we can, and how that plays into all of this.
1: You know, uh, I'm an entrepreneur by nature. Uh, I've started a number of businesses, and I just got involved with this new uh, venture, um, what we're doing is, you know, when you, you have these cell phones, right, and everybody goes to an event and they take videos of the event. It could be a birthday party, a wedding, or whatever. All those videos stay with that individual unless you share it with someone. So what we've done is we've created this software company where we are taking and asking everybody at the event, because all these events, and they're being videoed on all different angles, to up those videos to a cloud based platform and what we're going to do is we're going to cut and splice the best of all those videos and create a single video for you based on that event so if it's a wedding there's a timeline we'll take all these videos cut and splice them and put together a video for you automatically and autonomously so we're in that development phase right now uh we've got our first uh, mvp minimal viable product probably coming out within the next 30 days we're doing some testing right now but that's an exciting at my age of 64 um i want to be able to help create lasting memories for people birthday parties weddings baby christenings sporting events there's just so many different events and to, take and to take videos, which you don't have access to, and bring them all together and create a video, could be two minutes or ten minutes, is something we think is very special because video editing is a very difficult process right
0: now. Well, I, I would agree with you. I only started doing video editing as of July 2020. And that's the reason now we're, of course, up on YouTube. Sure. And uh, I, I actually have a blast with it. I have so much fun... Uh, working with the program I'm currently working with, uh, and <clears throat> creating some things. I'm also working with another organization or, or a group of people. Theater. We're doing Zoom theater uh, readings. Readings with friends is, I believe, what it's called, and uh, and other other projects as well. And I'm also producing uh, one of our contributors to this program uh, during the break uh, is uh, uh, a woman by the name of uh, Emily Yurchison. And she has this beautiful book. We've had her on the program before <clears throat> about uh, an odyssey of song. She has 12 different steps that you go through to create your own song. We all have a song. Okay? And so what I've done is for four or five minutes, she talks about that particular step. I bookend it with the credits with the, whatever she wants. Sometimes she'll have a song in the middle, and we'll put image, I'll put images in there that she provides. And for me, when I first started doing it, I thought, oh my God, this is I would rather just be doing audio because it's so much simpler. And basically what I found was, it is as simple as editing audio from the standpoint that it's just multiple tracks. It's just that some of them are pictures, some of them are sound, some of them are text. Uh, it's really, really cool. And um, so I am in a, in a realm that I never thought I would be in. Although one of these days I'd like to give up all of the other aspects that are in my toolbox to just focus on doing this. This is all I really want to do is bring people like you to the forefront, to our listeners and viewers, to understand that there is a better world. Now, and I say that not to say that where we are today is terrible, awful. We got to get out of here. No, 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 no. Right now is a beautiful world. We could make it even more beautiful tomorrow.
1: Yeah, we have our challenges, and we need to get through these challenges. We need to work one person at a time to change our perspective thinking and then take that perspective thinking and let other people know how valuable it is. And, and you know, through the through artificial intelligence, just get back to involvedmedia.com, we're actually using artificial intelligence and machine learning to create these videos, and we're going to learn more and more and more about how to create these videos. Mm-hmm. And I think it's pretty substantial because – when you're at a birthday party, you know, the presents, opening the presents, blowing out the candles, and there's a timeline. So we take the best of the timeline and cut and splice from those videos to put in some video automatically. That's, I think it's very special. I don't know why my phone keeps going off. That's up. all
0: right. That's very cool. Mark Lewis, I want to thank you so much for giving us this time here on the program and talking about your book, Give a Damn, uh, The Tickets to Cultural Change. I have three final questions that I would like to ask you. You may have answered them during the interview, but uh, I like to ask them directly. But before I do, I have to speak to our listeners and viewers and say that – you can find us at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. on Sundays, 1 a.m. on Mondays, and 9 a.m. for the special edition of Tell Me Your Story on Wednesdays. That's 9 a.m. Wednesdays for Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World on this fine station. We stream live at those times as well, as I mentioned, and we're podcasting on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, other locations you folks are reposting to. We're on YouTube as well, and you can watch these interviews. And again, of course, we'll be Linked to uh, Mark's website, which in this case is going to be com, And we also encourage you if you can support us financially, we would be gratefully appreciative. I, I may have worked for 15 years for the Christian radio station and I heard all of the fundraising gimmicks, and I will never, ever, ever use them. Uh, if and or when uh, I can't afford to do this, Then well, then we're done. But I don't see that happening for at least 40, 45 years. And when I say that, Mark, you know I was born in 1960. So adding 40 or 45 more years to my life puts me over the 100 mark, and that's where I'm headed. That's, That's why where I'm, I'm
1: headed to. I'm right with you. I was born in 57. So i got two years on you. All right. When um, we
0: cross that line, you know, we'll just do a, a great fist bump and, and have, a, video, yes. have a, a great party. And you can take the video. <laughs> uh, we, <laughs> I also want you to spend time going within, folks, during the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s. Find that still, quiet, peace, calm, full, calm place, and listen to that still, small voice. So the final three questions that I like to ask all of my guests are, in this order, to you, number one, who is Mark Lewis?
1: Oh, my goodness. Um, okay, I'll give you a short answer. Mark Lewis is a person that cares deeply about other people and wants to leave uh, a mark in this world, no no pun intended, <laughs> that creates a better world for the rest of uh, of all the people that are part of, uh, of the earth today. So my mission is really to create um, lasting love, peace, kindness, and um, happiness for people uh, across the world.
0: What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? Um,
1: I, my hope is to create what I call a give-a-damn movement and the movement is to enjoin uh, everybody who can take the what i call the global accountability pledge which means it, you can get it on my website give a damn book.com, join the movement and to create a movement where we all kind of come together a grassroots campaign uh that gets the message out that give it down and the philosophy and initiatives behind that movement uh improve society dramatically
0: and finally what is your life's purpose?
1: My life's purpose is to serve other people. Mm-hmm. Bottom line, really, by doing so, I serve myself, but I don't look at it that way. Um, I, my, my goal is really to make life better for everybody in this world as best I can and to make a change. I uh, hope I live long enough to see the change over time. That uh, brings society back to uh, where it needs to be, maybe like it was 40 or 50 years ago.
0: Well, Mark, Lewis, thank you again for joining us on the program, and we look forward to your next three books <clears throat> K through 4, 5 through 8, 9 through 12.
1: Give it, Don. Yes, thanks, Richard. I enjoyed being with you, I appreciate all your support.
0: And I'm Richard Dugan thanking you for listening and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to love.